Good morning again. Well, this is going to be our final session in our four-part series. It's good to have you all here this morning. Got to say another special shout out to the dungeon dwellers. They've taken a little bit of a beating over this time. <clears throat> maybe, uh, maybe this particular session will be more helpful to them just in how they can handle that. I'll get to that eventually as we walk our way into these truths here. But um, it's good to have you all here and uh, hope that you're as excited as I am in regards to all this. It's wonderful to um, be studying. You get such a privilege of um, looking at the Word of God in, in a, can I say, a larger context than what you can put right into a 40-minute sermon kind of a thing. Uh, I don't know how much you guys spend time studying the Word. There's a difference between just reading it, which I think is a great thing to do, and meditating on that, and then there's an aspect of digging down into some of the things, and hopefully, again, we'll be able to um, express some of those to you here today and just um, whet your appetite for all of that kind of stuff. Um, so just by way of uh, reminding you, so this is the fourth week of a series that we've been going through considering what kind of things really matter to us. Like what, at the end of the day, when it all boils down, the question is, is what really matters? And we've been looking at some prayers of Paul to see what is he praying for, and will that give us any kind of clue to that question? And hopefully as we've been walking our way through uh, these different um, prayers, uh, as I said, there's 10 prayers at least that the Scripture records for us we're only going to be looking at three. But um, hopefully those things have been impacting you. <clears throat> Thank you for those of you who have um, given me some feedback on maybe what the Lord's been teaching your own heart in this. I really appreciate that. So neat to hear. So uh, uh, enjoyable to be a part of one, one another's lives, even as God is teaching us these things. So we're wanting to learn uh, in part for ourselves, right? We want for God to do a transforming work in our lives as it pertains to the things that we're studying. <clears throat> but not only that, we also want to ask the Lord to help us to impart that to somebody else. That's called discipleship, right? That's, that's investing in the life of another individual and helping them tie together these truths that we're talking about with the practice of their life. And I hope that's also part of um, what God has been doing in your own life Remember, we talked about this whole thinking, attitude, actions. My thinking determines my attitude, which determines my actions. You may be in a position where you're like, uh, this whole discipleship thing, Tim, is no, 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 no. I don't want that. <clears throat> well, I'm actually glad to hear that, and I'm glad to hear that because I feel like that's something that the Lord wants to change our thinking in because He actually tells us to go and make disciples and to teach them to observe. So as believers, we don't actually have the privilege of passing on this one. We don't have the privilege of saying no. So he's going to be at work in our life, in our thinking, so that that begins to change the settled conclusion of our mind. It, so if you're like, eh, Tim, I don't want that, well, strap it on because here comes the Lord and he's going to begin to teach our hearts. Don't you love that? <clears throat> and then, as I've said before, you get front row seat is what you get. You get to see God at work in the life of another believer. How amazing. Well, if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 1 with me, this is going to be our last session and the last place that we're going to be looking. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. And hopefully as we go through uh, this portion of Scripture, 
Um, you're going to see some, some repetitiveness as far as what we've already, a couple of little different ideas that we've already seen, but then you're also going to see some new things, and you're going to see then a, a bit of what I'll call progression as we go through this. I actually at one time thought, Lord, should I teach this all in reverse? And uh, just so that our minds would catch it and track on that. And I'll, I'll hope at the end to help you just follow along with that progression. So if you're with me in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 9, okay? Just a few verses here. And just like we've done in the past, we're going to read through this whole thing and then back up and just dissect some, some specific parts of it. So read with me then. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, I don't know if you picked this up uh, as we began this, but just like we have seen in the other uh, prayers that Paul has written for us, we notice that Paul here is saying, I'm asking the Lord for something. And I'm just highlighting that again so that we're reminded once more, we, it's brought to our conscious thought, that the things that we're going to be talking about are things that God needs to be working out in our lives. That there's not an ability within ourselves to make this happen. <clears throat> but there is a partnership There is a participation that you and I have with God as he works this out. So when Paul is praying and he's asking for something, that means that we don't have it, right? That means that we're looking to someone, in this case God, and asking him, would you give it to us? Would you provide this? And because he calls himself the giver, we know, we have confidence that what we're going to be praying in regards to these things that he wants as well, and he wants to give to us. So we come to him with that attitude, that thinking that says, Lord, this is something that you need to do, but as I've said before, he's not going to force it upon us. He's not going to make that happen. We can pray this all day long, but if we don't partner together with him, i.e. being submissive to him, responding to his spirit, allowing him when he says, hey, child, that's wrong thinking, that we want to get right thinking, okay, Lord, I'll agree with you about that, right? He won't force that upon us. We participate. We actually have the joy and delight of participating with him. So just so we're, we're reminded of this, now let's tar- start talking about some of the things that Paul begins to pray about. He says the first one here, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. <clears throat> if you remember some of the prayers that we've looked at, Paul talks about knowledge, doesn't he? This is the same word that we've seen in those other prayers. He's using it again. And this is a knowledge that's talking about not just intellectual understanding, but something that begins to impact the life. It, it, it affects us. It works its way down into the experiences of of life that's what he's talking about here with this now you'll notice here that he's not saying in this sense that you would have knowledge of god he's going to talk about that in another verse or two in this one he's saying that you have the knowledge of his will have you ever asked god what's your will in this have you ever longed to know what god thinks about something i don't know about you but for me anyways uh the way that i have asked that is in specific events. Lord, 
do you want me to move to Virginia to join a fellowship down in the Shenandoah Valley and become part of that family too? Is this what you want? And so Sue and I began to pray about that and ask the Lord if he would direct us in that way. And one way or another, we're here. <laughs> in the will or out of the will, I don't know. But we're, actually, I do know we're in the will of God. I love it. Love being able to trust him for these things and know that he's not waiting for us to make the, the, the mistake, a wrong step, and then slap us upside the head, but that he actually wants to lead us and he, that he cares about us in that, right? Don't you love that too? But we come to the Lord and we, we ask him for these things and um, we're, we're looking for um, a specific, a, a, a direction that tells us exactly what to do. And I don't know about you, maybe you can identify together with me on this, but um, have you ever used the term, I just want to be in the center of God's will? I, I've mulled that kind of thinking or that terminology over and wondered, now what do we mean by that? And sometimes I've come away thinking that, that again, this is just me, maybe you can identify, but it's like, I want to be in the center of God's will. And that terminology indicates as if like, well, there's the center, and then you can move out to the edge, and then you step past the will of God, and now you're in trouble kind of stuff. And I have found that what's really motivating my thinking in that is that I want to do what's right. And not necessarily what's right as in what's godly. I want to do what's right for me. What will allow me to have the best life? I want to know that God wants me here in the Shenandoah Valley because when troubles come, right, I want to be able to be at ease over those troubles and not have any burden. More importantly, if I, if I have wrong thinking about that, I actually might think that being in the will of God means that I won't have any troubles. And if I'm out of the will of God, then I have troubles. And I've actually heard people say, like, I don't understand this. I thought this is what God wanted for my life, and yet they're facing difficulties. And it tells me, ah, you have some wrong thinking about that. The Word of God tells us that we ought to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, right? That's what James says. So that one verse, and there's many others too, they all indicate to us that that's not the case as far as the will of God, that there's no problems. He's saying that we're to count it joy when we fall into those trials. So they're coming, right? Here he's actually talking, we're going to see this in verse 10, the next verse, we're going to see what that will is. So, so hold on to this, but, but let's just fill this out here. He says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. So there's this understanding that impacts us, right? This impactful understanding of his will that then ha it fills us, meaning that it kind of permeates everything. It's not just in one location, one portion of our life, but it affects all of us. It affects our thinking, it affects our attitude, it affects our actions. It, it fills us is the term that's being used here. So Paul is praying more than just that you know the will of God, but that you're filled, that that knowledge has some kind of impact on your life. And he says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, in those terms, both of them, the word spiritual applies to both of them. That's the realm in which God is talking about this here, and wisdom would be uh, like a general understanding of that will, and, and understanding would be the specific, what God wants specifically for us. So he's wanting to give that to us, right? He's wanting for us to understand that. Well, it builds then next, on the next verse, he says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. That's actually the motivation right there. If you can identify with what I described to you as far as knowing the will of God, you'll actually conclude that that's a bit of a selfish 
motivation. I want to know the will of God because I want for my life to be impacted by that and so that I can have a life of ease and all the bad issues go away. That's just me. But what Paul is praying for, he says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. That's why it's actually so that you might walk worthy of the Lord. God wants to reveal to us what His will is so that we would walk in such a way, we would order our life, we would live our lives in such a way that it would be worthy of Him. The idea of worthy of Him means that, that as people look at our lives and they see us live, they should be seeing the very character, the very nature of Christ Himself. Because as I live under the direction of the Spirit of God and as He teaches my heart and I yield to Him, I begin to live out that life. Actually, it's Him living out that life through this vessel called my body. That's what's happening there. I actually woke up uh, early, early this morning, disturbed in my sleep, thinking about this particular verse. And so I just quickly went to the computer and and I just typed in, walk and looked it up in the, in the New Testament. Do you know that there are over 16 ways that we are described as far as a walk is concerned? They would all fit under this phrase, to walk worthy. In other words, we're told to walk in the Spirit. That would be one of the things, right? We're told to walk in light. We're also told some negative things. We're told not to walk in the carnality of our minds, right? So there's things that the Word of God tells us to walk in and things that He tells us not to walk in, and they would all fall into this that you might walk worthy of the Lord. So as we understand those, that's part of that knowledge that He's describing. This is the will of God. I want you to walk in light. I want you to walk in truth as opposed to walk in darkness or walk in lies. I don't want you to walk in that way. That would be, then, as I choose to do that, as I choose to walk in the light that He's revealing to me, I'm actually fulfilling this. I'm walking worthy. Because I'm understanding that's what His will is, and it's having an impact on my life. You following me? You get what what we're talking here? And He says, fully pleasing Him. Now, this is a little bit of a dicey one. I want to be careful with this because all too often from our performance mindset, we think that if we do this, then God is pleased with us. And if we do this, then God is displeased with us. That's all performance. I just want you to know, I want to settle it, hopefully in your heart, that God says that he is fully pleased with you because you are in his son. Just to remind you, his son was baptized by John the Baptist. Do you remember this story in the Word of God? And he comes up out of the water, and it says that the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven was heard, and this is what the voice from heaven said. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, you could say, in whom I find all of my pleasure and all of my delight in him. Audible voice. People could hear it. He finds all of his pleasure, all of his pleasing in his son. And now that you've put your trust in him, he has put you in his son. And so guess what? He's fully pleased with you. That's your position. That's your standing before God. And that will never change. But the way in which you live can be pleasing to him. Hey, that's in in keeping with who I've declared you to be. In other words, or displeasing to him, child, that is contrary to who you are. 
And this particular phrase actually is in, written in such a way that we would see the value of being fully pleasing. In other words, it matters to us. That as we walk worthy of the Lord, we want to be fully pleasing to Him. We want the way in which we live to bring delight to Him as He sees us. Uh, you know, I see this with little kids as an analogy um, the way they get up and they start learning to crawl, right? And then eventually they're standing and they're tottering on their feet and then pretty soon they're walking. And do you remember that? Like, like whoa, first steps. Oh, we rejoice over that if we're a first-time parent. And then we begin to realize, wait a minute, now I have to track that kid down, right? Like, I, now I'm chasing. Come here, come here, come here. Kind of thing. And so after a while we're like, well, we'll just delay that walking a little bit. But there's a delight, right? There's pleasing. We're thrilled with how that goes. Our Father has a heart for us like that too. He's thrilled as we begin to walk in accordance to what He wants for us to walk in. Well, He goes on and He tells us then, so this is so that we want to understand the will of God, we want to be filled with that, like it has a, a permeating impact on us, right? So that we would walk worthy, we would walk in a way that's consistent with who God is. And that is going to then produce fruit. That's what's going to happen as a result of worthy living. <clears throat> that there's going to, he says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing. So that tells us that there's a desire of growth in God's mind when he says this to us. He wants for us to be fruitful, and that's in everything. Every, every place that he puts us, every person that he brings us into contact with, all the circumstances of life, he wants to produce fruit as a result of that. And I was teasing the, the people last night. <clears throat> there was no plant, there was no tree out there that is just kind of gritting and just striving. And out pops an apple. Poof, there it is, right? Like that, we don't even think of that. The Word of God tells us in John 15 that He is the vine and we're the branches. And all we have to do is stay connected to Him. And guess what happens? It actually takes us through four uh, uh, um, degrees you might say or, or progressions of fruit as we stay connected to him there are some of us who aren't producing who aren't bearing fruit he says there's no fruit and guess what john tells us that he comes along and he lifts us up away from the soil he actually moves us to a place where we begin to produce fruit then and so then it goes on and so there's no fruit and then there's fruit and then there's more fruit and then there's much fruit you can study that out on your own sometime. But that's because we're connected to the vine. That's why. So when we're fruitful, it's not because we're able to produce that ourselves. It's because He's living His life through us and He's producing that in the various circumstances of life, the situations that we face, the issues of our own heart even, the growth that goes on. That's all fruit of God. That's what He's producing in our lives. <clears throat> And so as we understand that and we walk worthy of it, then he says being fruitful in every good work and increasing. So there's growth that's involved. And how does that happen? By the means of the knowledge of God. Now that, that phrase that we've talked about before comes into play again. As we behold Him, as we look at Him, as we consider Him, as we sing about Him, as we talk about Him, as we think through the different uh, aspects of our day where He comes up, as we worship Him, all of that is growing in our understanding of Him. And then He begins to apply that deeper into our lives, is what He does. And it increases then that fruitfulness. 
there's more that's being produced. He's worthy of that, right? Well, he goes on and he says then, he says that you would also then be strengthened with all might. We've read this kind of terminology before too, right? That we understand that, that, uh, that God is enabling us. He's giving us strength. He's giving us power to be able to do what it is that he wants for us to do. We've talked about this as far as being able to say no to sin, for example. That's strength. That's power. You now as a believer have the opportunity to say no to that. So he says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. So Paul here is praying for something specific when he thinks about this strengthen. That specific is in regards to patience and long-suffering. I'll come to that in just a minute. Okay, but just so you know, in context, he's saying strengthen with all might for all patience and long-suffering. That's what he's asking for in this specific one. Now, you, you've got to see something here. Notice that it says, according to his glorious power. I think this is incredible. He does not say, according to your need. Did you catch that? He didn't say that you would be strengthened with all might according to your need. In other words, your need, if you can define it, here, here's, here's what I need, Lord, and, it, and, it, and it's within these parameters, and God is able to give me strength within those parameters of my need. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you might have this need, but God, I'm praying that he would strengthen you with all might according to his glorious power. I can't even illustrate that well enough to you. The difference is night and day. Need is just this much right just this amount but if this is according to his glorious power all that he has then he's able to strengthen you that gives confidence <clears throat> that's why you can be here singing right and maybe feel a little bit nervous and yet deciding this is what god wants me to do so i'm going to trust him for it and trust him for the strength to get through it too and what if I make a mistake? What if I actually sing a note off key? And everybody laughs at me or thinks I'm a fool for all of that kind of stuff. Can he still strengthen my heart? And so I love the fact that our young people are up here being able to sing, being able to play instruments for us and lead us along in worship. Why? Because it gives them opportunity to trust God for these very things. This is called discipleship is what's happening here, right? We want to praise Him. We want to thank Him for doing that because He's teaching their heart. Now notice He says then, strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering. <clears throat> God is a perfect God. Have you figured that out already? As a teacher, I love digging into the Word of God because words have meaning. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of leap off the page. Wow, that's amazing stuff that you're talking about. He chose two words here to describe something that's similar, but in two different contexts. The first word is with all patience. That word has to do with the things of life, that you would be strengthened to be patient with the things of life, the circumstances. Maybe your car broke down. Maybe you got passed over for a promotion. Maybe there's uh, difficulties that you're, that you're facing with the, the home that you live in or whatever. These are the things of life that God would give us enough strength so that we might be patient in the middle of all those things. 
But then he uses the word long-suffering. Long-suffering is patience towards people as opposed to things. Don't you love that? He's covering both aspects of life. You think about the things of life, the circumstances of life. God is actually able to strengthen you according to his power, not according to the need that you've got. Oh, Lord, my car just broke down. I have a need. It has to be fixed. Oh, child, I can give you patience for that. I can give you patience for how long it takes to fix that car. I can give you patience for how you have to trust me to provide the next one for you. I can give it all. It's beyond what your little need is there. But when it comes to people, sometimes do you feel like, oh, I cannot stand that person? Have you ever said that? It indicates, well, it indicates an attitude of heart, for one thing, just so we're clear. But it indicates, that phraseology indicates that somehow I actually don't believe that God can give me a love for that person. Those poor dungeon dwellers have had to be long-suffering towards a person like me, the impertinent one. The one who's, oh, here he goes again, taking a shot at us again, right? And they know it's all in fun, but you get the idea with it, right? There are people that probably come to your mind right away that you can think, oh, now she, I have a difficult time with her all the time, right? When I see her, oh my word. Guess what you can count on? You can count on that God wants to strengthen you, that he wants to give you strength to be able to handle that situation with her or with him, as well as the things that you're facing. So we never come into any of those thinking, well, this is beyond me, I can't handle this. Not when we know that God is on our side, and not when we're walking worthy of the Lord, right? It's when we're walking unworthily, we're walking uncharacteristically about who he's described us to be. Then we begin to, to, to rely on our own strength, our own ability, and we, and we fail. We reach the end of it, is what we do. But with him, there is no limit. It's not according to the need. It's according to his power. Notice then, he says, with joy. All of this leads then to joy, is what it does. There's a delight of the heart. This is not happiness. That's not the term that he's using. This is joy. This is something, an internal delight that God brings to us, gives to us, because why we're we're being strengthened and we're realizing wow lord i have tried this so many times in my own strength only to find failure in it after failure after failure now as i'm learning about you and what you say about these things and i'm being filled with the with the with the knowledge of your will and as as i'm walking in regards to that you're actually giving me an ability to love that person to love the unlovable this is amazing to me that's called joy is what that is a delight and guess what they begin to worship him as a result of that so he says with all patience and long suffering with joy that we don't just endure that's not the word that he's using here it's not endurance it's patience and long suffering because it's with joy we can have a heart that delights Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's what James tells us. Do we do that? I don't. I'll tell you what, at least that's normally not my first reaction. But then the Spirit of God, son, you're not counting that joy. Oh, I was about ready to remember that, Lord. Thank you for reminding me of this stuff, right? Now I have a choice to make. 
Am I going to submit myself to what he says, or am I going to still keep going down my first initial road? What am I going to do? Well, I'll say it gets worse, but it really actually gets better. It gets worse for our flesh. He says then, lastly, give, giving thanks to the Father. Now it's not just that we go through with patience and long-suffering with joy, but also with thankfulness. How in the world can you be thankful for a set of circumstances that seem to be so catastrophic? How can you do that? How can you be so thankful to the person who is mistreating you? How, how can you do that? How is it possible? Well, he's drawing our heart's attention to something in this verse. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Has qualified us, that's actually already past tense. It's already something that's true about you as a believer. You can be thankful as you understand what he's talking about there that qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. He has already placed us in his Son is what he's done. That's the qualification. Mike stood up here and he actually stated something to the effect that we are all adopted sons. Did you catch that phrase? He actually said sons and daughters. I'll just correct it a little bit. You're all sons. When he talks about the adoption, he declares all of us as sons. Why? Because of the inheritance. The inheritance went down the line of the males in the Old Testament. And so he's using that as his illustration to tell us that all of us have an inheritance. He's already qualified you for that. It is inheritance of the saints in the light. It's not in darkness. It's in light. We have been moved. In fact, the next verse says that we have moved out of the, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In another place it says, we've moved out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's where you and I are now as a believer. We walk in light. In fact, that's one of the things that's walking worthy. Walking in light. And so he says, we can give thanks. Why? Because we know that at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I was talking to a lady this morning. <laughs> I threatened, I told people last night, you got to be careful what you say to me just before I teach because it could end up in the message, just so you know. I'll keep her name out of this, but she told me about a loved one that had passed away and they weren't sure how that individual had passed away. They weren't sure if it was by natural causes or unnatural causes. And she said, she said, but if he's with the Lord, what does it matter? And I kind of went like, well, you don't hear that every day, do you? What a perspective. Now, she's not minimizing that passing of that individual. She's just saying, in light of being with the Lord, what does it matter? Do we have to figure all of that out? Because in her mind, it, that permeated everything. Oh, you're with God? Oh, if He chooses to take you by, quote, natural causes or unnatural causes, you end up to be with Him. Oh, gratitude, right? That's what was coming from the heart right there. I thought, Lord, that's it. That just slips in with what we're talking about right here. Giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And I told you that this has a progression is what it does. I want to walk you through this here real quick just to help your mind catch it. 
as we walk, all right? We're just going to repeat this. Okay, so what we see then is impactful knowledge of His will, right? Follow me with this. Impactful knowledge of His will will lead us then, will lead us, sorry, I missed there. He will lead us then to walk in a worthy manner. So, so that impactful, I'm using that term impactful to talk about being filled, right? That impactful knowledge of His will leads us to walk then in, an, in a worthy manner of the Lord, which leads us then to walk or, or, or to a life that's increasing in fruitfulness as we increasingly understand God. That's how that flow is going with that. Not only that, <clears throat> that impactful knowledge of His will that leads us to a walk, right? That's worthy. It's a manner which leads us then to a life of increasing fruitfulness as we increasingly understand God, which then leads us to being joyful in the midst of trying people and trying circumstances as well. All of it with a thankful heart. Amen. That's right. Thank you for saying that. Easy preaching, hard living, isn't it? I find that I can spew out the words, I can describe the moment, but when I'm in it, I have to make a choice, just like you do. In that moment, the flesh wants what it wants, but the Spirit wants what He wants. And the Spirit wants to lead me in accordance to godliness. Which way am I going to choose? It seems to me that Paul felt like this was extremely important. So much so that he wanted to write a letter about it. And it seems to me that God said, yes, that's important. I'm inspiring you to write these things. The question is, is is it important to us? What's the value for us? Do we see these things that we've been talking about, not just today, but all of them? Do we see them as ones that that are values that answer the question, what really matters for us? What really matters? And helps us then to move in a way in which that truth then begins to impact our lives. Begins to affect us. So our lives are changed. So that as that change comes about, others then are hearing that, seeing that, watching that, wanting that. And we have an opportunity then to invest. That's what discipleship is about. It's an investment. We love it when it comes to finances, right? We throw our money in and we watch it grow and eventually over time we've got more money. Discipleship is spiritual investment. It's reaching into the life of another person and investing in them and watching the Spirit of God bring that compound interest And it increases and increases and increases. And at the end of the day, the result of all of that is that our God gets glory. Because some crazy people like us could actually be vessels that He could live through. How incredible of a privilege is that for us? That's the value. That's what really matters. And I'll guarantee you today, when you stand before the Lord, you will recognize that value and be so glad that you caught it while you were here on earth and that you lived a life that presented that value to this world. Amazing stuff that you and I have the privilege in, right? Let's pray. Father, 
<clears throat> Thank you so much for the privilege that you've given to me to be able to relate these truths over these last four weeks. Thank you so much for the things that you've been teaching my own heart in them. Some of them catching, you might say, anew, realizing aspects of it that I've never realized before. Some things, Lord, you just remind us, and I don't mean just as in it's a minor thing, I mean that it's something that you continue to um, strengthen us in and lay foundations and then build on top of those. <clears throat> Lord, it's been a delight to talk to people about this and listen to them say how uh, their understanding of their thinking is so important to them. And Lord, um, all of these truths that we've been talking about as Paul's prayed them, we, we want those as well. We, we want to know your love as we have seen. We want to know you and that be something that is experiential as well as intellectual. We, we want to be strengthened for the different things that you have um, in store for us whether they be personal struggles or whether they be uh, ministries that you're involving us in or whatever the situation might be. And we recognize, Lord, that none of these things are outside the bounds of your ability to handle. None of them. Thank you so much that you love us, that even when we make mistakes with it all, you're so gracious to us. We even learn in the midst of all of our failures because that's how astounding you are. So we thank you for this, Father. We pray that you'll uh, continue to, to work these truths into our lives, that as we end this little series and move on to something else, that we don't just relegate all of this to a, to a drawer someplace where we just kind of stash it away, but that you just keep bringing it back to our hearts and our minds, that we would honor you with our walk, that we would walk in a way that's worthy of the very character and nature of your Son that he might be glorified in through our mortal body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.